0: Welcome to Live Well Long, where we deliver life-enhancing, empowering messages for body, mind, and spirit to those seeking to get the most out of life, who have a zest for learning and know that learning must be an ongoing activity to achieve a vibrant, thriving life. This is your host, Alexandra Van Horn. Stay tuned for another episode of Live Well Long. Hey everyone, this is Alexandra with Live Well Long and we have a fantastic guest today. Kaz is an anatomy and human movement expert specializing in fixing faulty movement to alleviate chronic joint pain. Her own personal journey paired with her extensive knowledge inspired her to create a unique modality called the gravity technique. For many years, Kaz was a yoga teacher, but was also frustrated with the level of knowledge she had at the time to help her clients with various injuries they'd come to her with. She embarked on a 10-year journey to dissect, literally, we'll talk more about that, the body and learn about the fascinating world of fascia and anatomy in motion. She now teaches and coaches her fellow yoga and movement professionals, but also anyone keen to learn. To uplevel their skills and help their clients or themselves on a whole new level, and is on a mission to denormalize the mindset that pain is just a part of life. So let's welcome Kaz. Come on in, Kaz. Kaz Thank
1: Hitchcock. You so Thank you so much, Alexandra. It's it's so just a joy to be here and to be having this conversation around. Yeah. Around this, you know, it's such an important conversation to be having that you know it's not just part of normal life to to be putting up with those aches and pains. And I hear that a lot. You know, everyone's like, yeah. "I've got to this age, what do I expect?" And right. actually, you know, it's it's not true. We want to be looking after ourselves well. Mm-hmm. And your body's a self self healing, highly intelligent uh, organism. So there's there's no reason why it's putting you know it would it would want to stay in pain and pain is your body's language it's your body's call for your attention it's asking you to respond in a way to right. change something right so, yeah, yeah it's, it's very exciting to be here
0: thank you right. yeah so you you were talking about um your so you, you were a yoga teacher and you had people coming to you with issues that yoga alone wasn't able to address is that what i'm understanding
1: yeah so so i went to yoga because i was broken you're not broken by the way and you don't need a fix i learned that later but i had my first surgery when i was 13 so i ended up with a 11 inch scar that runs from my navel to my spine Mm -hmm. and um for a a kidney issue they tried to fix the kidney didn't work so kidney failed a few years later I ended up having another surgery to actually take the kidney out um and then after that everything was such a mess I ended up having another surgery to take the scar apart and then make it look a bit better but also to remove lots and lots of adhered tissue so I started going to yoga to just sort of get get fit I was starting to go Bit lopsided because I'd lost all my core muscles. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, because of that, when I the deeper I got into yoga, and then I started teaching, I attracted, and you'll know this, but to do with the universe attracting what you need. Right. Uh, nobody ever walked through the door looking for the yoga class. They always limped through the door, going, "Somebody said you can help me." <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um,
1: and whilst I, whilst I, I studied, um. Uh, I studied with the British Wheel of Yoga here, which is equivalent to a postgrad degree. So it's a three and a half year course. it's a it's a fairly weighty yoga teacher course. Yeah. I still came away with just a standard biomechanics schematic um, and just you know, some real basic anatomy, and it just wasn't enough for the mm-hmm. the the injuries and the post surgeries and you know the issues that I was being faced with with from my clients right right so yes i needed more <laughs>
0: yes 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 so then so then uh when did the uh when did the what what was your next step then was it dissect learn like exploring the dissections uh yeah you know, i think because i
1: was seeing I kind of inadvertently hit a nail on a head somewhere Mm
2: -hmm. for
1: people that couldn't go or didn't want to go or didn't feel fit enough to go to yoga class right even the beginner ones Mm -hmm. I got those people Um, and it was always people that were presenting with in pain and presenting with chronic joint issues knee problems hip problems back problems and Over the the first few years of teaching, I started to see similarities in people. Their pain experience was always different, Mm -hmm. but their body arrangements, their body shapes, their movement patterns were similar and quite often the same. So for example, with knee issues or hip issues, the feet were always misaligned. We either had, you know, Charlie Chaplin feet or pigeon toes. Right. And the knees weren't looking forwards, um, you know. With back problems, there would always be, you know, the head quite significantly forward. A lot of the time, we're at the desk, so our head is forward a lot of the time. Right, right, and right. and I just started to see these patterns in the way that people moved and correlations between the way that they were moving to the pain and in specific joints that they were feeling. Right. So I got into that, and then I really wanted to to dive deeper into that. And then I met, I was very lucky. I met a teacher who works in fascial anatomy, but was also a yoga teacher. So he used to teach anatomy and movement. He still he still does well, kind of, you know, an evolution of that now, because this is sort of 12, 15 years ago, something like that. And um, he was st- sort of starting to blend the first um, fascia research into yoga movement.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and looking at how to relax and release these patterns. And um, I started to look at habitual and compensatory movement patterns. So if we're moving in a certain way, uh, for a certain amount of time, then that becomes normal, but it might not be useful. So we, we can shift our body weight. You know, when you're in pain, you just want to get away from it. Right. So we can spend time, like if we have a hip issue, Mm -hmm. and the hip is painful to stand on them will shift the body weight over to the other side right we may have an intervention to rectify the pain in that hip but because we've normalized standing on on the other side we're out of the gravity line we don't feel that we're out of the gravity line anymore so we stay there and then we get issues with the other hip right right so it was looking at and from my own compensatory movement patterns I had no idea that the patterns I'd put in place while I was healing post surgery had stayed with me for right. you know decades. Beyond their usefulness. <laughs> Absolutely. We switch them on, but there's no off switch. Right. right. So it was sort of looking at useful ways that we could get, you know, the 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 person back to the center line, back to gravity. And that's where the gravity techniques come from. We we use right. gravity and the breath and the ground because these are things that are readily available to us all the time right and in a world that's so high with intervention now we, we always look we always think of ourselves as broken we're always looking for the fix right we have the surgery we have the, the the exercises or you know we're always trying to isolate something in the body and you know strengthen it or release it or something like that And actually, right. like i said at the beginning body's self-healing mm-hmm. highly intelligent Right. And when we work with that intelligence, body sorts itself out. We just have to get ourselves out the way. But if we've got those habitual or compensatory movement patterns that are standing in the way, we can't get to where we need to go. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. And then, then I got into fascia research big time (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I wanted what I saw in anatomy books and what I felt under my hands, and you'll know this because you're a manual therapist too, right. when I started to work training in manual fascial release, um, I wanted to know what I could feel under my hands was, you know, an actuality, what was what was really happening. So I got into the dissection lab and started to look at fascial lines and the connections that run through the body. So the connective tissue changes the game completely. We think that we are some bones with some muscles attached, but actually the cling film fascia, the connective tissue turns our bones and our muscles into strings of sausages, if you like. I'm so sorry for the food analogy, (laughs) by the way. It puts you up all your food. If you're not vegetarian, you see a (laughs) 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 Because we're slung together in this cling film, Right. Now, if I throw a stone in the pond, I can't get ripples just on one side. Right. It affects the whole surface area. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the movement patterns and pain from a fascial point of view, if, there, if there's a pucker in the lining somewhere, right. it's going to affect the whole onesie. Right. That's, that's, so we come from that approach. So it's slightly, some call it revolutionary. I think it's just common sense, but, yeah. you know, and, but it makes sense to me. And coming to coming from a place of severe scarring,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you would say that I've got quite a significant pucker in the lining. Right. <laughs> it was, how do we work with that? How do we work with that um, more intelligently? Right. And you can't push and pull scar tissue around. It does right. not respond well. It just it just tears or it gets distressed. Um, and in my case, I've got adhesions that are wrapped around most of my the organs in my right side now. Mm. i've chosen not to not to go down the the route of quite radical surgery i didn't want to do that
2: right
1: right so keeping everything free
2: mm-hmm. through
1: movement movement repatterning allowing the fascia to heal itself some manual intervention we bring all those lovely bits of the modalities that we love the most you right. know manual fascial release massage scar work qigong tai chi yoga pilates right. all of that stuff Right. bring it all together and we take the stuff that's the most useful
0: wonderful yeah years ago I would notice I would always carry my stress in my right side and I would notice it literally felt like my shirt like I had a shirt that was literally being bunched up and pulled and pulled like somebody was grabbing my shirt and twisting it like right in my hip region in my right hip you know and I, you know, I would go for massage and myofascial release and all that. So I'm, I'm very happy to have this conversation with you. <laughs>
1: but I think also with the, you know, with the new stuff that's coming through with the neuroscience,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: important. You know, now um, the the book, you know, the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. When the body says no, Gabor Mate, you know, we're really starting to have these conversations around why. You know yeah. why why does the why does the brain choose the hip to, for the bunching? You know mm-hmm. why does it choose that place rather than we know that the hips are now the emotional storehard, the emotional junkyard. yeah, all our all our close-knit stuff, bereavements, divorces, you know the family stuff gets stored right. down in the hips. whereas when we're it's in our language carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, right you you know that stress, work stress that sort of stuff, then that that flashes up in head, neck, shoulders. So we yeah. started, when you know, and we're right at the very, very tip of this work at the moment. It's just started to be acknowledged and explored properly because before, you know, medical science is always just, you know,
0: brain is here, body's over here. Right. A very Newtonian, <laughs> very Newtonian approach, like, you know, the very 3D, not very Quantum, more quantum now. Yeah, realizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I,
1: I never, you know, I flunked physics at school. To be actually, you know, my teacher would be so proud that I (laughs) I, lecture on quantum physics now. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) It, it. It, it is exactly that. You know, your body's not linear in any way, shape, or form. That's why the biomechanics schematic doesn't fit. You know, this whole levers and pulleys. I mean, in in ten years of of dissecting bodies. I've never seen anything linear in my whole life. It's just not, everything is in spirals. Right. And everything is on the shift all the time. It's always shifting, it's always changing. And it's always in this spiralic movement with this um, lengthening, stretching, recoiling all the time. It's coming in, it's waving in, it's waving out all the time.
0: I've had experiences when maybe I was having like energy work or massage, whatever, like on my, say my shoulder. And then I'd feel my left leg release in some way. <laughs> so it's like, so intuitively we'd say, no, oh, that's not connected, you know. But obviously it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you know,
1: if you look at Tom Myers's pioneering work anatomy trains, mm. uh, he was he was the first one to really sort of give us a visual um, representation of how the body was connected from your feet all the way up to your head. And, and really change the game because as you say you can be working up on the shoulder I've never seen anybody with a shoulder issue that wasn't coming out of their opposite ankle mm-hmm. you know it's always how the foot's presenting to the ground and then the shoulder responds appropriately and um, yeah it's, it's 99% of the time unless we've had a shoulder injury I've had a few tennis players through here a, <laughs> in, in time you know where that's just repetitive but I think the other thing that we get a little bit stuck with is repetitive movement. When we when we say repetitive movement, we're instantly drawn to sitting at the desk. You know, everyone's got RSIs these days. Uh, and actually repetitive movement is anything that is a laid down, learned behavior. So it's going up and down stairs, driving the car, mm-hmm. going to Pilates. If you've been to any kind of exercise class for longer than six months, as a learned behavior. Right. So, you know, picking up your kettle—all of these things that we do, cleaning the teeth. I right. always love to challenge people to clean the teeth with the other hand. Uh, yeah, do do this with no clothes on if you've got an electric toothbrush and you're going <laughs> with the opposite hand because it's a messy business in the beginning, and the brain doesn't know what to do, and we're firing connections all over the place. But it's just that challenging ourselves to move. You know, we Is always it- put the coat on with the same arm right yeah you try and put your coat on or try and put your trousers on with the different you know with the the other leg that you wouldn't usually use and you have to be a little bit careful with yourself because you know what are we doing the body's you know wobbly everything's all over the place Even holding our
0: keys to get in the house or something it's always the same hand right holding groceries a certain way yeah
1: yeah handbag on the same shoulder i love doing that in my early workshops we used to get everybody to put the handbag on the other shoulder
2: Mm -hmm. and by
1: the time they reached their car the handbag had magically migrated across (laughs) and the really interesting thing was nobody could tell me when the handbag had moved yeah it's it's so automatically so deeply ingrained into our brains yeah that we just instinctively do that yeah you know, remember when you first learned to drive a car and the brain's going i can't you want me to watch the traffic as well right and the pedals and the steering and you know all of the things and now we get in the car and we don't think about it
0: yeah totally it. automatic
1: it's all just yeah. just laid down in there so it's that really looking at getting into to the the brain part of that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and looking yeah. at sort of you know what's really going on. What is the brain up to? Highly intelligent brain. It's it's doing things. And we want to work with our bodies rather than against it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. want to understand the why behind the what. And then once we get that, mm-hmm. then we can affect some real and lasting change.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Now we talked earlier about some things that um you can help people with that are listening that can help uh, with osteoporosis and also- balance do you want to share about that
1: yeah absolutely so yeah we were talking about bone density and you know what do we what do we do and actually i was i was writing about um there was a a study that's just come out uh that said you know 84 percent more likely to die in the next seven years it's not very joyful study (laughs) Um, but if you can't stand on one leg for longer than 10 seconds then we've got this high, this increase in mortality and actually you know it wasn't just because you can't stand on one leg it was to do with balance and mobility
2: right you
1: know if we're not able to um you know if if we're not able to have functional feet if we're not able to keep ourselves upright well then we've got a higher risk of falling and that was where the mortality was coming from you know there was right. a fall and then you know maybe a resulting surgery if we bumped something on the way down so with that in mind the when i was talking about that on on social media and some other platforms the thing that came through straight away was i can't balance i haven't got any balance i've lost my balance has gone somewhere i misplaced it um Standing on one leg doesn't mean like the ballet dancer with, you know, the other leg is up up at the side of your head or, you know, (laughs) over your shoulder or, you know, up on the worktop, something like that. It doesn't have to be. And this is where we get a little bit stuck in those big, gross movements. Mm -hmm. Actually, load bearing with regards to building muscle tone, with regards to building bone density can be as little as just shifting your body weight and lifting your heel. Toes don't have to come off the floor. We've got lots of things around us that can help us. If we're waiting for the kettle to boil and the gravity techniques are designed to button into your day-to-day life, that's what they do. I've I've never found anybody that's ever done their exercises (laughs) Um, you get a sheet of exercises from the physio and and, and, well I did mean to do them right that's
0: so true yeah it's easier right there to do it yeah
1: yeah absolutely so things like teeth cleaning pose kettle boiling pose supporting yourself better when you're sitting at the desk sitting in the car doing these day-to-day activities that's where they come in so, you know, waiting for the kettle to boil is a great thing. It gives you a couple of minutes where you're hanging around mm-hmm. and you haven't got much to do. So you've got a worktop near you as well. So if you are wobbly and mm-hmm. you are struggling with your balance, it is a learnt behavior. It's in there in the back of your head. You're hardwired to be able to do this stuff. It's just temporarily misplaced. Got it. You're just starting by lifting one heel, mm-hmm. leave the toes on the floor, but then starting to take the weight through the other side with a soft knee. Mm -hmm. starts to build your bone density starts to build your muscle tone so the The soft
0: knee would be this the standing leg the one that's holding all the The weight bearing leg would be soft yeah Uh, the knee would be soft and then the opposite leg you would just be lifting the heel but the toe would be yeah so your
1: toe is your stabilizer and then Mm -hmm. as you get used to it because your brains are learning you know, right. so it's, it's a, I, I don't like the word machine but it's you know it's in there writing stuff down all the time so right. as it gets used to having less foot on the floor mm-hmm. then eventually the toes might come off the floor and then maybe we can tuck the toes behind the calf mm-hmm. so we just start working with the body a little bit more a little bit more. start with and what you can. yeah do start where you are do what you can Mm-hmm. Is is how we work over here you know trying to go for these big goals straight away we don't do them because it's just as hard we're we're a reward based species we're, we're looking for <laughs> the we're looking for the prize at the end you know and if it's too hard and we don't think we're going to get anything from it we just won't do
0: it not do it yeah. simple
1: as that so there's no point in you know and if it hurts that's not a reward Right. so if it doesn't feel nice or it's uncomfortable or it's causing me pain i'm not going to come back and do it there's no incentive in there for, right. for me to do that so right. it's it's that's where it comes back to working with your body right. rather than pushing and pulling it around right so for
0: balance for our listeners just to repeat it for our listeners yeah. help improve their balance they would yeah. alternate so one one time it would be the, one leg one time it would be the other but you're yeah going, always you're both sides, sides.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and don't fear the wobble. Mm -hmm. I did a reel on this a while back and- um, Don't fear
0: the wobble, I like that. Don't don't
1: fear the wobble. wobble. (laughs) You know, when when you're building muscles and we've got muscle that they're not sure what to do, they wobble around, they contract and release and contract and release. And that's where, you know, we feel that the foot is a bit wobbly Mm
2: -hmm. or the
1: muscles in the leg feel a bit wobbly, knees not sure what to do, particularly if we lock the knees out a lot of the time, we use that as a habit. When right. we take the knees away, it's like taking our comfort blanket away. Mm. So now the brain says, Well, if I'm not locking through the knees, if I'm not propping through here, what am I propping through? Yeah. Well, how am I gonna find this balance? <laughs> yeah. Always how you know, and then the muscles have to respond. So don't worry about the wobble. You've got your work top. And we go back to kettle boiling, you've got your counter-top. work. Top.
2: So you've got counter-top. the countertop. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Thank and you. Yes, please interpret <laughs> so You've you've got your countertop to hold on to. Use right. it. You know your your home is full of walls. Stick right. your paws right. on them. I know your mom. So told this isn't
0: me. about being bold and and brave. You can hold on to the countertop and lift one yeah. heel at a time, just to yeah. strengthen the opposite leg. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And and, you know, and the feet strengthen up. I'm just in the middle of writing an article for this at the moment actually, that we we take our bodies to the gym, but we don't take our feet to the gym. Right. You know, we want this strong, functional foundation for our bodies. But for most of us, we've got the shoes on and there's not a lot happening inside the shoe. You know, we walk like Thunderbirds with these bricks for feet. And actually we want this rolling, articulating, strong, dexterous feet, just like our hands really. Mm-hmm. so when we're doing things like standing at the at the countertop we're, we're lifting our heels we're letting the foot work and we want the feet to work we want them to be strong right right and this is a you know this builds up over time we build muscle in about six week increments mm-hmm so it's not just, you know, I lifted one heel, it didn't work, I go away. <laughs> so you need to do it at know, least six weeks. <laughs> stick at it, stick your little posty note on the fridge or you know, yeah. stick something yeah. behind the kettle that says, stand on one leg. Yeah, um, or
0: you're brushing your teeth, I would imagine that would be a good time to do it. Yeah, wow. we have teeth cleaning pose. I mm-hmm. came up
1: with teeth cleaning pose. I was invited to come and work with uh, some new mums mm-hmm. and they all had six week old babies. and they all had pelvic floor dysfunction and it was like you know how do i how do i connect with these women nobody here is rolling out a mat at 6 a.m and doing some doing some exercises you know it's just not going to happen and they all came in and they looked absolutely fried so it's like we need to make it something that's really super simple yeah no brain power required um And, you know, when do these women stay still? When can I catch them? And the the logical explanation for that was two minutes every morning, two minutes every evening Mm -hmm. when they clean their teeth. Right. That's what what we did. So we we got them doing this particular feet arrangement. Uh, Again, we looked at locking out the knees. Who's locking out their knees? Most people are. So right. how do we get the knees soft? How do we get ourselves back into our feet? How do we get the feet functioning well? Um, and it was hugely successful. And that that was, you know, back then, that was the first, what is now gravity technique. It's the foundational one. And what I found was that people actually did what I asked them to do when we buttoned it into their day-to-day schedule, right. you know, day-to-day activities, things that they did every day. And we just right. added, added little bits in. Right, right. Um, yeah. And that, that was hugely successful. So yeah, when you, there's all sorts you can get up to when you're cleaning your teeth. And the great thing about it is, is that the brain is distracted because it's cleaning your
0: teeth. Right, so it won't try so,
1: to counteract. Yeah, so rather than going, Oh, I'm bored, and you know, is the kettle boiled yet? My leg hurts, my muscles are working, I haven't done this before, is this good for me? You know, <laughs> all this brain chatter <laughs> am right. I doing it right? That's one I hear all the time. Am yeah. I doing it? You can't, you know, you're standing on one leg, can't get it wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, 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 yeah.
1: So, so that you know, that mind chatter is the frontal cortex, a bit like a toddler, isn't it? You know, you want to distract it. So, and then it's, oh, now we're cleaning teeth.
2: Right,
1: so it right. goes off and does that task instead and leaves us alone to do the... <laughs> to (laughs) to do the the other other
0: work yeah and now I I, when I was looking through your website I I noticed you have a podcast about uh was it bare bare feet regarding you know to to go barefoot or not barefoot I think it's about um wearing heels or not heels or yeah do you want to share anything about that
1: yeah absolutely so the pod the podcast was a began as a space where I can I get asked questions a lot I get a lot of questions in my DMs. I get a lot of questions on my emails, mm-hmm. um, particularly when I'm talking about something, and someone will come in and go, "Do you mean it like this?" Um, and also, I really like my podcast for being a bit of a soapbox. It's a bit of a ranty place um, where I love to sort of take down some myths that we're being sold. The next one actually is just coming out. I got a, I got sent um, an advert for a company that shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it says you never have to touch your shoes again you can just slip them on oh. <laughs> and the person that sent this to me sent it with a caption this is a really bad idea right <laughs> <laughs> um. is it ne- are they needed as an aid absolutely it's when we turn our aids into necessities that we start to have a real problem mm-hmm. we don't want all we don't all want slip-on shoes. Okay. It would be bad. We want to always be able to bend down and tie our laces. But is there a time or are there times throughout our life when we can't get down there? Absolutely. Late stages of pregnancy is, is
2: you know, right for
1: sure. Just one, just one of many, many times when we may not be able to get down to our feet. But as a general overarching rule, do we always want to be able to do that? Yeah, of course we do. Um and the 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 barefoot question is one that i get asked a lot so onto the podcast i go and you know they're just little 20 minute snippets of me just talking giving my opinion on or my Mm -hmm. thoughts on um that and again is coming back to working with your body rather than against it and being intelligent with regards to barefoot running and i'm gonna go to to shane benzi for for that who who is He's the man, he's over on LinkedIn and, and on many different platforms, but he's the running guy. He learned to run in the Masai Mara. Okay. And uh, so what he doesn't know about it is isn't worth knowing about, but he started this, you know, everybody now wants to run naturally. Right. And what we missed was, you know, the part where Shane is training for this running. And it's the same for us. If if we're just sticking on a pair of barefoot running shoes which give us no padding right. and we're running on concrete.
2: Right. And
1: maybe we're doing the couch to 5k, which I don't know about you guys, but is a big thing over here on the U, in the UK. Um, yeah. So yeah, so pandemic comes, everybody's bored. Um and it's couched to 5K. Everybody suddenly looks down and they're not at the desk anymore. They look down and they're like, oh, I got unfit while I wasn't looking. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm unfit, is, unfit is a like, <laughs> You know, and it was just this whole idea where, you know, we just stick a pair of, you call them sneakers, don't you? Stick a pair yeah. of sneakers on and you just go for a run, having not run for the last 10 years. Mm. So I saw a lot of running injuries <laughs> and somebody said, you know, what do you think of the barefoot shoes? And if you're running in the woods and you're running on soft terrain, real ground, we'll call it, you know, the earth, then yeah, wear your barefoot shoes and you train yourself in five minutes till that's comfortable, seven minutes. And it really is that small when you start five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you build up over time. But also, we're a soft organism. I know we don't like to admit it, but we're very soft.
2: Mm-hmm. We're
1: not designed to run barefoot on something that we created, which is asphalt, concrete, tarmac, right. that sort of stuff. We need the padding. So this is where you do want to head down to your store and get, you know, those those lovely running shoes with the big squishy sole. Mm-hmm. So you got to give something. You got to give yourself something to protect your heel strike to protect your knees protect your hips right so again it's being intelligent where are you running what are you running on how long have you been running who taught you to run right because you wouldn't go to the gym without a pt Mm -hmm. but people do go running without a running instructor Mm -hmm. and running again because we are not taught to run by our family as we would have done when we were in our tribes and our communities, and those those old structures. Right. You know, men particularly would have been, you know, the young boys would have been taught to run by the young men and the young men by the elder men. And the, there would have been a hierarchy to that. We would have had a training. Right, right. Whereas now, from my own age I get to 43 I decide that I've never been for a run everyone else is running it's you know it's quite fashionable stick some sneakers on off I go <laughs> this is bad <laughs> <laughs> or, ouch. So, yeah so it's a training like any other training you wouldn't go to yoga without a yoga teacher you wouldn't go running without a running teacher so it's it's you know having these structures right. in place that help us to look at we need that rear view mirror if we're running with a foot that's flapping out to the side on one side for whatever reason, if we're running with knees that are not aligned, that sort of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I have switched to uh, zero drop sneakers with a wide toe box, but yeah. I, I, I did try the the you know, the, the something with like almost no sole, <laughs> and that yeah. was not fun. <laughs> that yeah. was not fun. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, that comes back to appropriate walking. And that's, this is what we teach a lot here at, at the gravity technique with, you know, probably 90%, 95% of the hip and knee issues that we have are coming from a faulty walking gait. So when we're talking about, you know, those faulty
0: movement patterns, we look a lot at the, the faulty, head being... 40. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking... Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't understanding the word. You said faulty. I was thinking you said 40. I'm like, oh, is there some kind of gate that's... Kind of no, gate? no, 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 no.
1: not Fault, Fault, Faulty. Faulty yeah. movement patterns. So, you know, when our head is forward out of the gravity line, that impacts very heavily on the rest of the body. But the same as if we're, you know, uh, that was another podcast episode, actually. Uh, somebody said, you know, um, I'm doing, is it hashtag 10, 10K a day? And it was like, well that's very nice walking 10,000 steps a day but if you're walking on flat feet you're going to end up with a knee issue and you're mm. going to weigh your hips out and then your low spine's going to hurt all the other way around depending on which way you know which one starts right. to hurt so it was looking at you know have we got functional feet are they working appropriately are they supporting the rest of the body appropriately and if not then they're going to negatively impact the other joints further up
2: Right, right.
1: So again, we think for our health, we want to go walking 10K a day. And absolutely, we do. We do want to do some walking. It's really healthy for us. But we have to look at what our feet are up to as well. Right. And, you know, working intelligently with our body. If we've just had bunion surgery or, you know, knee surgery or whatever that is, we've got to follow the why. Why has that happened? Why has the body done what it's done? now we've had it something corrected and that gives us the window of opportunity then to then get in and put the work in
0: right right and I I definitely fell into that category I had bunion surgery at a young age I was uh 22 yeah. I think 22 yeah when I had bunion surgery yeah because and they were painful I mean that's why I had it <laughs> you know yeah. so obviously there was something further up up the line that was out of whack whether I guess the knees or hips so
1: yeah, yeah. Bunion's tend to be a disproportionate weight distribution, so the body weight is too far forwards into the big toes. So your your body has uh, has two two mechanisms within it. One is to build bone, the mm-hmm. other one is to break down bone. It also does that with tissue. So your body responds to force and pressure.
2: Right. We're
1: born down by gravity, and your body will respond appropriately. The prime directive you have in the back of your head is don't fall over. Because if you fall over, you're gonna get eaten by the saber-tooth tiger and we don't want that. So that hard wiring means that if we are out of the gravity line and we've got more force down through a certain body part, this is where we get, you know, calcification spares on the spinous processes on the the back. You know, sometimes we have spines that are too long. Okay. then you know but the most common one that we see is bunions so if right. the body weight is forwards into the big toes the body responds to that force and pressure by building more bone at mm. the big toe joint and then it gives you it's painful but it gives you a bigger surface area to lean into does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah.
1: so But the, I mean, the good news is you shift the body weight out of the the big toe and back into an even weight distribution throughout the foot, Mm -hmm. and then the body will respond again and it will break those bunions down. It's not a fast process, about three to five year process.
2: Interesting. Okay.
1: So, but it does work. And we've, we've tested that before on, on sort of minor cases of bunions because of the pain factor involved. Sometimes it's easier just to have the surgery and get you to a window where we can then affect the change. So it's, it's choosing the, the way. Yeah,
0: that's the that's first I've never heard that, which is so people should hear that when, and you, you, so when the body is adjusted back, when they're, you can play it better when it's balanced and the, it you say it better, I'll let you say it.
1: <laughs> we're
0: in the gravity line.
1: <laughs> okay when when we're back into the gravity line and we've got that even weight distribution coming down through the body, down through the feet. Yeah. Then the body will will naturally rebalance itself. It will put itself back together. So right. if it doesn't need something, it will, it will break it down and make it go away.
2: That's
1: but so if it ridiculous. does need something, like in the case of plantar fasciitis, which is, it's, you know, that's a big one at the moment. Everybody's got this, you know, foot pain. Um, and a lot of that is to do with um, the fact that our our tummy muscles aren't working as well as they could be because we're sat down so much more right so that's kind of the root cause of that but you know as the arches drop on the feet people call that flat feet then the the bow string in the in the underside of the arch starts to pull away from the heel and because there's no gaps in the body body responds to force and pressure it starts to fill the gap where the bowstring is pulling away from the heel with bone mm. and then we get you know the inflamed tendon and and you know it feels like not very nice in the sole of your foot but again you shift the shift the body weight into um appropriate disparate distribution throughout the whole sole of the foot and the plantar fascia sorts itself out and the pain goes away. Beautiful. Sounds very flippant for those of us that have been in <laughs> lots of pain, but I think, you know, and that's where the, the, not allowing ourselves to be lulled into that normalization of pain.
0: Right. Right. Don't say because like- it's, it's not the
1: body in gravity with that even weight distribution coming through it and that return to our original programming for how mm-hmm. we sit, stand and walk. Right, right. And, the, you know, we are naturally
0: pain-free. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and just to circle back, um, the technique that you shared for our listeners with balancing one foot or mm-hmm. then the other and holding, you know, lifting one heel up, that was also the technique for helping to build bone? Was that the osteoporosis uh suggestion that you were making or was there something? yeah absolutely
1: so uh, again because we're quite sedentary your your body your body responds to force and pressure so if there's not a lot of load coming through the legs as in we're not walking that much we're not running we're not we haven't got that significant heel strike
2: right
1: then at the top of the, at the top of the thighs the the bones can get a little bit porous there as, as we age and we are subjects, you know, particularly as women, we're subject to that natural aging process, but also that very large shift in hormones, um, Mm -hmm. around sort of 50, 55.
2: Right.
1: So, and, and there's a natural slowing down. So what we want to do is, is actually, as we get older, we want to do more load bearing. We want to do more strength training. We want to do more, you know, walking and standing on one foot on one leg. We want to do like a little bit more yoga and Pilates where we're loading the bones a little bit more mm. because your body responds to force and pressure and we'll build more dense in the bones.
2: Perfect.
1: And what happens in the case of osteoporosis is that, you know, that, that calcium for the, that's been appropriated for those bones is just being appropriated somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of the time, this is where we start, you know, straying a little bit out of my field, but into the areas of nutrition, um, is, is that when we're in deficiency. Mm -hmm. So if we're deficient in our calcium and our magnesium and our phosphates that are in a homeostasis of of their own together, but if we're deficient in calcium, then your body will appropriate it to the place where it's needed the most. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And if it's needed in the organs more, if it's needed up around the heart more, if it's needed for other processes more than the bones get down last on the list. Yeah. So it's, it's again, it's coming back to, you know, the brain functions and how, when we know the brain hierarchy that it's, you know, the order that it's putting things in right. then we can intervene. And then we have a look at, you know, bloods and right. where the levels are at. And then we kind of, you have to play detective. We kind of go back in and, and find out what's going on with that. You know, in my own case, because I haven't got my right kidney anymore, uh, and haven't had from a from an early age, my vitamin D has always been very, very low. And in 2016, it actually caused a big issue, and, and I wasn't very well at all. And um, when we when we got into that, you know, I looked ill uh, and had all these symptoms with heart palpitations, breathlessness. You know, there's all these kind of very physical symptoms. And then, you know, to find out that it was vitamin D was a bit of a shock. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, it's relief,
0: like, I guess, in certain ways, because that's, at least it seems like it's. A- oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: you're thinking you're having a heart attack and actually the doctor turns around and says you're vitamin D and you go, oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. You know, I could do something about that. Right. And, you know, and that little bit of education changes the game, doesn't it? No one, yes. we know these things. um It wasn't, but again, coming back to that, side, you know, we talk about the standard biomechanics schematic. Mm-hmm. No one ever told me that my right kidney also was responsible for absorption and appropriation of vitamin D, magnesium, and calcium. Right. Right. And and when you shared How that, with- I have known that it wasn't just a filter in my body. I would have responded appropriately, right. but we do we're not told these things. Never, and of course, you. coming back to the case of osteoporosis and that bone density, we know that our kidney function naturally lowers as we get older. Mm-hmm. So from the ages of sort of 45, 50, 55 onwards, that, that kidney function is slowing down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So And and this is, I was accosted by somebody. I get accosted a lot. So I was accosted by somebody that says, is that it? We're not allowed to drink ever again. (laughs) You know, do we, we, when we're 60, still need to drink like we were when we were 20? There is a point when we're going to have to grow up. Yes, right. Right. (laughs) Be sympathetic. We can't eat sweets and sugary things like we did when we were kids anymore. We have to keep growing ups and and accept that our, our body isn't as tolerant as it as it was of these external factors, but also knowing the how the the different parts of us are functioning
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the job and all the jobs that they have. Right. So with the vitamin D, if that if that is not being appropriated throughout the body properly, that is responsible
0: for our cell regeneration and that includes bone cell regeneration. Right. Right. Yeah. Any bone supplements you see in the store usually includes vitamin D. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: But it's also, it's understanding it's a, and you'll know this, it's a homeostasis. So it's it's never just one supplement, you know, if something's out of whack. It's out of whack in the whole ecosystem, isn't it? You know, Right. Yeah. it's looking at all the different component parts of of the system. A little bit like when we're working with the fascia, Mm -hmm. your head is talking to your pelvis all the time if your head is forward your pelvis is under it has to be that one so it's coming back to that homeostasis of the body if i shift something and i affect something then something else is going to move because your body's affected by and of each other
0: yeah yeah wow that's so it's it's such a beautiful new awareness that you're sharing because you know general bio 101, whatever we took in high school or college or wherever we learned it, doesn't include any of this, of course. It's, you know, it's a very simplistic approach. Like you said, the kidney is the filter, you know, but it's so much more than that, that they couldn't fit it all in the textbook. So maybe they didn't even know it at the time when the textbooks were written, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's only because, you know, somebody says to me, you know, is a fairly new thing. It is a new thing because we, in in the old formaldehyde embalming process, fascia was destroyed. I'm so sorry, this is gonna ruin your cake, but it turns it into desiccated coconut. Mm. So it's only because of the leaps forward in technology that we have in the dissection lab and with our ability to see into Uh the body, microscopes, scanning, imaging techniques that we've got now, that we're able to get inside the body and see it more now we didn't have those 50 or 100 years ago and so but whilst fascia isn't new in inverted commas i mean if you go to yoga class or tai chi class you know they're all fascial moves because Mm -hmm. the old practices knew this stuff and they knew it by felt sense but for us from a scientific point of view it's Required significant leaps forward in medical technology to be able to see this stuff in its in its original form, you know, right. as close as, as a close as close to living tissue as we can right. get it. And actually, fascia in its in its living form is akin to kind of egg whites, right? So that's you know, it's this slippery, gloopy stuff. It's, you can't get a hold of this stuff.
0: Or even I remember from, you know, massage school talking about, uh, you know, when you see raw chicken, how it's got that slippery, filmy, yeah, yeah that's... Yeah, we're we'll that totally ruin your dinner. A, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it has a property, I remember that thixotropic, which I'm sure you know all this, a thixotropic property that once we start massaging it, it becomes more liquidy and then it goes back to a thickened state. Yeah, it's very...
1: Yeah, I always likened that to the, um, the coconut oil.
0: So, mm.
1: you know, you've got your jar of coconut oil. If it's, in the, if it's in the cupboard and it's cool and it's immobile, it turns to a solid state.
2: Right.
1: And um, if we take a scoop of that coconut oil, we put it between the palms and we make some nice spiralic movements and we introduce some warmth into it, it returns to its natural oily viscose state. Right. And the synovial fluid between the fascia is exactly the same. So that crackly, crunchy thing that you feel when you roll your shoulders
2: mm-hmm.
1: is, is, is exactly that. It's just that the, the fluid in between the fascial interfaces that is is starting to free up and, and move. And this is why movement is so important. We, so- we must move because when we're cool and we're immobile, particularly up in the shoulders, things get stiff, things get sticky and things get stuck. And then we start to lose our range of movement. All right so for veterans, cycle. i'm sorry Go ahead. it's a self-perpetuating cycle because if we if we lose our range of movement a little bit and then it doesn't feel nice to move it we
0: won't then we it, keep it,
1: we yeah. hold it still yeah. and then we lose a little bit more range of movement and then it doesn't feel nice to move it and then we lose a little bit more and we get yeah, somewhere some where we start to limit our range and we see this in elderly people where sure. we've drawn in the parameters or the boundaries for movement and we brought them in, brought them in, brought them in to the point where they're just, you know, we think about that that real elderly person with the walker frame and the shuffly feet, and right. they're very unsteady, very unstable. And this is where the the range of movement that we're allowing ourselves has been drawn in to such an extent that we're now down to virtually nothing.
0: Right, right, yeah. So for the, for our listeners if they're thinking to themselves well it's it's uncomfortable when I walk maybe it's because they haven't walked long enough to for the fascia to loosen up
1: yeah and you know and there's trick there's tricks for that roll your foot on a tennis ball Mm. you know roll your foot on a tennis ball that affects the fascia throughout the whole body up and up into the hip up into the side of the waist so if you have got niggly hips or stiff Knees, or you know, it is hurting when you walk, or you've got pains in your feet. Roll, roll your feet on the tennis ball, and do both sides as always—not
2: right, right, <laughs> right. just the hurty one. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, roll, rolling, rolling feet on a tennis ball is, is, you know, one of the fastest ways to get yourself out of, you know, to get the fascia sliding and gliding, and to
0: clear down those glitchy, right.
1: glitchy bits.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Wow, this has been awesome. This has been wonderful. Um, So where would you like folks to go to connect with you? What's the best way for them to connect and you have something that you wanted to offer them?
1: Yes, absolutely. So www.gravitytechnique.com forward slash links. There's a free little postural I think it's the posture one that's up at the moment, but it's a, it's a better, it helps you to improve your posture, get your head back in the gravity line. So there's a little masterclass on there uh, that is free for you when you sign up. There's links on there to the podcast, uh, to the YouTube channel and, you know, all my other omnipresent social media
0: (laughs) stuff. Gravitytechnique.com forward slash links, L-I-N-K-S. Beautiful. Wow. Awesome. This has been great. I've learned, I've learned so much from you. This is wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners are like, thinking, wow, <laughs> this is awesome.
1: You know, if the more we can have these conversations about these things. Yeah. Cause this and, is- and that's, that's my mission is just that we we don't have to live in pain. It's sold to us that we do, that we need painkillers or we need to make the pain go away. But when we can, you right. know, there is so much we can do to work with our bodies. And we don't have to put up with that. Right. And uh, I think, you know, the more we can talk about this stuff and it
0: empowers us as well. You know, we're able to absolutely. actually do our own well-being. Yeah, well-being. yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Wow, well, thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners are going to love this and this will be uh, on, uploaded to the podcast, Live Well Long, of course. And um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you for listening. This is Alexandra with Live Well Long. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our important episodes. We want to be sure that you get everything you can to do your best to live well long. Feel free to reach out to me at alex at avhcoaching.com. And remember to take good care of yourself so that you live well long. Talk with you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Alexandra. One more thing. Would you please share this on Facebook, Twitter, send an email to your friends. Just hit the share link and pick a way to share it. I would love it. Thank you so much.
2: Bye.